I don't know about you, but whenever I get a bag of Skittles, I always wait to eat my favorite flavors at the end. I suffer through eating the grape, suffer through eating the orange, and just force myself through eating the lime so that I can eat that precious cherry-lemon combo. This isn't exactly what suffering truly is, right? But this delayed gratification, this holding back from what we really know that we like, that we really want, in order to enjoy it more so that I can have this lasting flavor in my mouth, right? That I'm not stuck with this. I really hate the flavor of artificial grape. I'm not stuck with this artificial grape flavor in my mouth when I'm done enjoying a candy that I really, really like. When we talk about fasting, there are two different forms of fasting. Now, while obviously eating Skittles isn't fasting in and of itself, the concept can be found in that my choice to delay eating the yellows and the reds at the end is a form of natural fasting. It's something that I'm choosing. It is not imposed upon me. There's no rules. Mars doesn't have some guideline of how to eat Skittles. But if they did and they said, well, you're supposed to eat them by the handful, you're supposed to eat all flavors at the same time, or you're supposed to eat it, you know, in a particular order, that would be called, or that would be what is called ecclesiastical fasting, where there is a rhyme and a reason that is dictated how you are supposed to follow this. Um, And so when we're talking about fasting in the Catholic Church during Lent, there is ecclesiastical fasting. That is where on Ash Wednesday, on Good Friday, on the Fridays of Lent, we are called to eat one meal and then two small meals that would equal one large meal throughout that day. And so we have different levels that we are called to ecclesiastically from the magisterium in the Roman rite of Catholicism. That that is how we're supposed to fast. There was a recent video on um, St. Michael Abbey's YouTube channel that was called Catholics Must Fast More Intensely This Lent. It's a beautiful video. It has 235,000 views right now. And it really just went into listening to the Lord and seeing what it is that he wants you to do this Lent. Do a great fast for a great feast is the premise of the video. And what he's calling toward in this video is natural fasting. He's saying step away from this ecclesiastical fasting. Stop following a rule book. Stop saying, hey, what am I supposed to do here? Is this okay? Is this not okay? What is the Lord calling you to? How have you sought the Lord in what it is that he wants you to fast from this Lent? And what do you want to add in? St. Thomas Aquinas here in this book, he talks a bit about um, that natural fasting and ecclesiastical fasting, but also how fasting is a safeguard for chastity. That when we um, have spareness of food and drink, that lust loses its heat. Not only that, but we must fast in order to hear clearly from God. He referenced how when we read in the book of Daniel, it was after a fast of three weeks that Daniel received the revelation from God, seen in Daniel chapter 10. So we have to come forward and we have to fast in order to, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, to destroy sin and to raise the mind to thoughts of the spiritual world. Back in 2018, Chase Love had asked me to write a blog post for them, and I ended up writing a blog that was um, entitled, Chastity is Synonymous with Charity. And it was all about how chastity 
you know, is one of those words that gets thrown around a lot. It's really, um, like, it seems synonymous with abstaining from sex, right? It's, it's this thing of chastity is we're supposed to abstain. But ultimately, really, the Catholic Catechism defines chastity with far more vigor than simply don't have sex or don't lust after other people. The, in paragraphs 2337 to 2350, it talks about how chastity means the successful integration of sexuality within the person and thus the inner unity of man in his bodily and spiritual being. It includes an apprenticeship in self-mastery, which is a long and exacting work. Chastity presupposes respect for the rights of the person, in particular the right to receive information and an education that respect the moral and spiritual dimensions of human life. So all of these things are equated with chastity. And it even goes forward to say in paragraph 2344 that chastity is a cultural effort. And in 2347, that it is expressed notably in friendship with one's neighbor and it leads to spiritual communion. And so when we talk about how chastity blossoms in friendship, how we have this this supernatural experience of love when we're practicing chastity, when I'm practicing a chaste marriage, you know, a chaste marriage is beyond, you know, one of the references I made in this blog was, is the opposite of not cheating on my, or is the opposite of cheating on my husband, not cheating on my husband. So by not cheating on my husband, am I fulfilling my marital duty of loyalty? The answer there, of course, is no. There, there needs to be a giving of myself. Love does more than what, than just what we aren't supposed to do. It does what we are supposed to do. It goes above and beyond to find how can we grow in love? How can I love more deeply? And how can I do these things? Chastity is the epitome of love, and charity is another word for love. Charity is love. Those two words are the same. And so when we start looking at how fasting, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, and this natural fasting, um, you know, peace, we can see how if we draw our hearts to God, we ask him how he wants us to fast, what is going to bring us closer to him, that we can grow in chastity, which in turn we are going to directly grow in charity. We are going to grow in um, self-temperance, right? Self-control. We're going to grow in prudence. We're going to grow in all of these other virtues by fasting. Fasting is necessary. We are absolutely called to fast. And when when we do that, it, it allows the space for us to offer our reliance to God. To say, God, you are the one that is going to pull me out of this. You are the one that I'm going to rely on. A lot of people give up coffee for Lent, right? It's like, God, I'm relying on you to wake me up. I'm relying on you to, you know, pull me away from desiring this certain thing that I'm giving up. And then we replace that with a prayer. We replace that with with something else, you know, whether that be more patience, whether that be, right, as I said, like a Hail Mary or an Our Father, simply saying a prayer about anything, right, that you're drawing yourself to God. You're, you're replacing what it is that you're sacrificing with a step toward Jesus Christ. If you're going to fast and you're not going to be working on drawing that relationship 
back to God, if you're choosing to fast from something because it's giving you an upset stomach, if you're choosing to fast from something because you just want to lose some weight, if you're choosing to fast from something with a motive other than I want this to help me understand my reliance on God, you're not going to have as fruitful of a Lent and fruitful of a fast nor will you be fasting in the way that we are called to in the Catholic Christian world, in the Catholic Christian life. And so I just want to leave you with that today. Um, just seek God. There was a post that I shared on my Instagram story today that said, it is not up to you to lead Jesus into the desert this Lent. Allow Jesus to lead you into the desert. Seek him for what it is that he wants you to be doing this Lent. Do not do what it is that you want to do in vain. And you will experience a Lent that is unlike any that you have experienced before. He promises that. God bless you. Have a happy Maundy Thursday, or rather a solemn Maundy Thursday. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.